This week's episode of the Run, Eat, Drink podcast is sponsored by us. Head on over to the website at www.runeatdrink.net. Click on support the show and check out the swag we have in our store. Pick up a t-shirt, a bar key, a keychain, one of our fantastic items designed by Pure Creative Apparel. Your purchase helps keep the lights on and helps keep us accomplishing, exploring, and indulging with you. Hello, this is Marco Chesero, and welcome to Run, Eat, Drink Podcast. Welcome to the Run, Eat, Drink Podcast. We feature destination races from across the country. And after the race, we take you on a tour of the best local food and beverage to celebrate. So whether you are an elite runner or a back of the packer like us, you'll know the best places to accomplish, explore, and indulge on your next runcation. Welcome to the Runny Drink Podcast. I'm your host, Amy. This is episode 90, and I would like to personally welcome back to the show my co-host, Dana. I need an applause line after that. Wow. I'm your co-host, Dana. <laughs> Welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be back. We missed you. I didn't know it was going to be quite such a welcome like that. Yeah. Well, you know, we just miss you. Well, it, I, I missed being here, but it was great getting a chance to hear the podcast from the road and go, wow, this whole new thing is has come into being and I had nothing to do with it whatsoever. So it, you, you approve thumbs up. Yeah, it was okay. I, well, you know what? I mean, you did a great job at interviewing Marco and you, I got to chime in a little bit, but you guys were so conversational and Marco is such an awesome guy. And for those of you that maybe haven't missed, listened to last week's mm. episode, we got to interview world record holder, Marco Chisetto, the man that holds the record for, the marathon distance for double amputees. For double the amputees. marathon distance world record for double amputees. And he's done it not once but twice. Yeah. So, I mean, he's a bit of an overachiever. Very inspiring. Yeah. I would say very inspiring. So so would I. I'm we, kidding. I mean, now that I have you back, I feel like there were so many gems. We recorded the show and then you went out of town. And I feel like there were so many great inspirational points, wisdom, tips that he shared that I I just want to have a chance to discuss with you because I think that they apply both in running and in life. And just to kind of summarize and encapsulate and get us geared up for our next race. So we'll be talking about that a little bit. And speaking of our next race, we will be headed next weekend to Atlanta, your old stomping grounds. Yes, and in fact, uh, as this episode will will drop in the feed on Tuesday, mm. we're basically going to be packing and getting ready for a departure on Friday. So it's actually right. just a few days away. Very exciting. So we'll preview and we'll look ahead to where we might, after we accomplish, explore and indulge because Atlanta is such a mecca of great food and beverage. Oh, it's such a fantastic town for yeah. for arts and entertainment, mm. food, culture. Yeah. It, it was a fantastic city to go to college in and spend time there beginning my professional career. 
We loved getting a chance to go back. Yes. I, I love the Jeff Galloway race, mm-hmm. but I I would be looking more forward to it if I wasn't coming off of travel. I, really? I'm, a, I'm a little traveled out. But, Are you? But you got to rest up this week. Well, don't get me wrong. I am really looking forward to the race. I'm super excited about that. I'm just not looking yeah. forward to navigating airports again. I, uh, for those of you that don't, that don't know, I traveled out of town this past week. I flew up to the Newport News area in Newport News, Virginia, mm. and spent a few days up there for work. Um, and I think that you were just hour to hour. I mean, it, I know you wanted to meet up with some of our listeners, and you just... Work did not allow you it, to it, do that. It really didn't. From the time I hit the ground, uh, I was picked up at the airport and went straight to work. Yeah. And I ended up, my final product was about 11 pages typewritten. <laughs> and I was only one of several people on the team. So it was it was a lot of work. But mm-hmm. um, it did give me a chance to do a little bit of cold weather training ahead of the yeah. race. Oh, so that's good. Uh, so, yeah, I, I got a chance to do a little bit of my running around the hotel because up in that area, you might be shocked to know that it's a little colder in Virginia than it is in Florida this time of year. Just a little. That's where I was born. I know. Not but, Newport News, but Virginia. But you were a little bit young then. I did. Yeah, I was I was, I was a baby. <laughs> I was, I was, did live there till um, I was maybe six or seven yeah. years old, so. And I'm was born in Florida. So anything below <laughs> 70 degrees is freezing cold to me. So yeah. I actually had to purchase a winter coat to go on this business trip. Fancy. <laughs> and I was woefully unprepared for the temperatures when I was running. Cause I was getting up at four or five in the morning every day Yeah, and going for my run then. So it was down into the thirties bundle up. Oh, Oh, I had a pair of shorts and a t-shirt. Mm, that's not bundling up. Well, no. So I did a little bit of running outside, and then I finished my runs on the treadmill on the inside. Mm. But I will say this, and it's the first time I've found one of these. What's that? I finally found a treadmill I don't hate. The hotel that I stayed at had a life fitness treadmill. Mm-hmm. that, of course, has the nice fancy digital touchscreen, would pipe the television right into it so you didn't have to look at a TV off on the wall. Mm-hmm. But it also had the ability to do something that Jeff Galloway runners have been craving forever. You could set two different intervals mm. and alternate between those intervals with the push or the touch of a single touchscreen button. One button running, one walking. button walking. And... and it was a pretty pretty good transition between the two intervals. Those are hard intervals on the treadmill when Very. you have to accelerate and decelerate. And the shorter the intervals, the tougher they are on the treadmill, I think. Yes. Oh, I'm sure that the, the motor on this thing was really glad when I checked out of the hotel. But I found it. If I were ever going to buy a treadmill <laughs> to have at home, <laughs> it would be this one. I don't think I'm going to buy one, but no. I'm just saying um, they do exist for you fellow Galloway runners mm. out there. Check out the life fitness. Uh, it's going to be something probably in the, in the upper middle to high end range if you're looking yeah. at purchasing one, but it is the first treadmill I've seen with that feature. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty cool. So you learn something about cold weather running and when you have to escape indoors and yeah. you want to do intervals. Yeah. The hotel I was at actually had like a little lake with a with a paved path around it and mm. kind of an amphitheater 
thing going on. Sounds pretty. It was very nice, but um, it was probably a third, a little over a third of a mile around. It wasn't very big. So, so you had to loop it. You had to loop it. But yeah, and then I'd go finish up and warm up in the gym. So, Well, we had a little bit of a cold snap down here, but it wasn't like in the 30s or it, it was just a little colder than normal and not as humid. So it felt like the holidays, which is kind of nice. It is nice. As I headed out there and completed a 19 miler without you. Yeah. And how was that? Slow. <laughs> it was very slow. But I did it. Well. And I think Jeff just tweeted today, and he might have posted it on Facebook as well, an article from his website from jeffgalloway.com that talked about it doesn't matter how slow it is. And it talks about typically if you're part of a Galloway program or you do e-coaching or you follow one of his plans, your long runs should be two minutes per mile slower than your race pace. Yeah. And then you account for heat by uh, by 30-second intervals mm-hmm. and adding the slowdown that way. But he he just tweeted out about that, so I was like, well, you know, I walked a lot of it. So, but I don't have to feel bad about that because you build the endurance no matter how slow you go. Yeah, that's part of the thing I really like about the Galloway method is that you, you have those two short runs where you can work on your speed. Mm-hmm. And then that third day is really all about the endurance. Mm-hmm. And I think, Jeff's not really said this exactly in these exact words, mm. but I think that when you start getting into distances like a half marathon or higher, part of that training is getting your body used to the pounding it takes over time. Oh, yeah, that you can sustain over time whatever whatever the time and the distance is you're going to cover. Yeah. So for you to be doing 19, you're going to sail through the 13. Well, now I think. I've gone into that race weekend before feeling confident and half a mile less than half a mile in. Well, if you don't go seeking out the, you the know, potholes and, you know, I did not seek out a pothole. You found one though. 2 years ago, I twisted my ankle before I even hit mile 1 and yep. it took me several hours to finish the half marathon. Okay. She didn't twist her ankle, guys. She rolled that thing so bad. Yeah. I thought it was broken. Mm. And I was trying to see if she'd get off the course. Yeah. And I think we've shared the story before. We have. But she persevered on. She she walked the first couple of miles very slowly, but did it. And then started doing intervals, starting at about mile three, going all the way to mile six. I mean, basically, I, we were, by they the time were we slow. got to the Atlanta Belt line, I was looking at her ankle swelling to twice its size and i'm like oh this is gonna be a trip to the er tonight <laughs> no and, and but it wasn't no and, and then come to find out you had just a really bad sprain yep and yeah the doctor actually said he goes that a break would probably heal faster probably but <laughs> at any rate you never know what you're going to have on race day and that was an example of a race where i hit the unexpected and i had to persevere and I think that that really relates to the running segment that we're heading into as part of our show today. Yeah, because if there is a, a runner out there who we've had the privilege of talking to, I think that Marco Cicetto 
embodies perseverance. Absolutely. Yes. I don't want to say more than any other, but no. when, when I think of the word perseverance of all the, the world-class runners we've met, he is top of my list. He is such a positive and inspirational person when you talk to him. He, when you talk to him, when you hear him speak, mm-hmm. when you sit down or, or you're there at like one of his tables, if he's got a booth at an expo, mm-hmm. he's got this big smile on his face. He's oh, yeah. so disarming. Yeah. And you, you just have, you don't realize what this man's been through in his life. And I think that's a great place to start because in your interview yeah. with him, you yeah. you you did your research on him. I did. You probably watched every video out there about him. I tried to. In addition to us seeing him in person and, and having talked to him. Right. And you got him to share a bit of his story. And I think yeah. that um, it would be great for our listeners if you didn't get a chance to listen last week to the episode to hear Marco's story and how he got to be or what the genesis point was for the man we know as Marathon Marco. Yeah. So you want me to play that now? Yes. All right. So we're going to play that <laughs> and uh, listen to this man's story and what, what started him down his path. I am originally from Kenya. I came to the United States in 2008 went to University of Alaska Anchorage on track and field and cross-country uh, scholarship. In 2011, my cousin committed suicide, and he had tried to reach out to me to talk. And I was not able to get to the house on time. By the time I got there, he had already committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And that pushed me on a downfall for depression, I was really, you know, I was guilty of not having that time to go and listen to what he wanted to say. In mm. November of that year, I was just not in my mind and took some antidepressants and went for a run, November of 2011. Mm. And that time of the year in Alaska, the weather is not very friendly. It was very cold. I was out there for close to 60 hours wow. and when I emerged my feet were frozen and they couldn't save them mm. so the doctors had to amputate them because I was starting to have a gangrene so then after my amputation I started on walking prosthetics I was able to get some grants for running prosthetics and I just picked up from there but before I started running Mm-hmm. One thing just struck my mind when I was in the hospital, after my amputation. Mm-hmm. I had just blamed myself for, for not having helped my cousin. But then, after I lost my own legs, I just realized, if I had control over things, would it be my own legs that I should have saved them? So from that point, I realized there are so many things in this life that we do not have control over. Mm. I told myself I would just worry about what I can control, and if there are things that are out of my reach, then I am not going to worry about those. So I focused on myself and focused on rebuilding my second chance in life. He really did focus on 
what he could control. And I know that that was just a, a kind of summary of his story about how he got caught out in the snow for 60 some odd hours and they couldn't save his feet. And when you talk to him now, you would not realize the level of trauma. Mm. You know, the personal loss of his cousin. The emotional trauma. The, the emotional trauma that happened there. I mean, and, and there's a lot that goes into that. I mean, you're talking about a Kenyan expatriate who's come to the University of Alaska, who's not only gone to a, a different country, but probably one of the most extreme areas of the country you could live in. Mm, that is vastly different from Marco's home country. Sure. Yeah. And then on top of that, the the emotional trauma of mm -hmm. the, the loss of his cousin, mm -hmm. the survivor's guilt. And just, I mean, feeling like should have done something, feeling upset and blaming himself. Which is where he started. Mm -hmm. And you would think maybe he, you know, it would be very easy for somebody to continue down that spiral. Just to spiral to such a dark place. And... He he was in a dark place. Oh, absolutely. When this tragedy happened to him. But he was able to to get something from it. And and I, and I think that's a that's a character trait that I don't know if it was because of his running background hmm. or if it's a character trait of the type of people that gravitate towards running. Maybe it is the character trait of people that gravitate towards the sport of running because he, he talked about before he got back to running, he was in the hospital and he had a realization that there are only, you have to focus on what you can control because he couldn't control somebody else's actions. He had to focus on what he could control to get himself healthy and get himself running again. And it's amazing that he took that away from that experience. Yeah. And yeah. now, not only has he overcome that, he's excelling in the field. Yeah. he's This spring, he'll run his second Boston. And it's unbelievable to me that he had such focus on what he could control and the training that he did to get to Boston and then break that world record. He's just phoning it in. No way. <laughs> no way. And it's really exciting this year because he talked a little bit about it last week where Boston will now offer prize money in the field for double amputees. For yeah, I think he called the para category. Para, the para category, yeah. yeah. I, I, there was a specific name that he mentioned, but for runners, and that's the first time that's happened at well, one of the marathon majors, the world marathon majors. Well, I, I think it probably doesn't help that uh, a guy like Marco has managed to get a sponsorship with Nike. He now has that it clout. Helps. He talked about having it that helps. platform now. And when you have these major races now, realizing <laughs> that you have a larger and larger subset of their participants who might be differently abled that are coming out to participate mm -hmm. and offering them an opportunity to compete and win these prizes, I think, is, is showing you a trend in 
running. Yeah. That is really commendable. Yeah. But he had some other lessons that were, or nuggets that you were that, great takeaways. Oh yeah. That was just the first focus on what you can control. You can't tr- control other people. You can't control the weather. You can't control what somebody else's training has been. You have to focus on what you can control. Yeah. Right. He had to have a tremendous amount of what he calls grit is one of the second takeaways or second tips and lessons that I took from that interview with him. The, the grit that you have will help you throughout training when you hit challenges and how to deal with them. Let's see what he has to say about having grit. You have to have this grit to succeed. You have to be able to push mm. yourself. You, you, and realizing, too, that grit is also that ability for you to acknowledge that, you know, I have a challenge, mm. but I need to overcome it. We sometimes tend to look things from, uh, you know, a champion mindset, say, you know, I have to get it from a strong position. Sometimes you cannot be on that strong position. You could be struggling like I was, but that is still your grit. The first step accepting that, you know, I have an issue that I need to fix it. I think that was a really polite way of him saying to suck it up and focus on your problem. I think you have to step back when you encounter challenges. I like that he called them challenges. Yes. In training, you know, it could be a bad run where you didn't hit maybe mile repeat times you wanted to or overcoming an injury in your training cycle, something. Or it could be completely outside of the training cycle. It could be some other stressor in your life. Yeah. And you have to step back and say, you know, I'm a strong person. I have the grit to remain focused on my goals and to not let it derail me, to find a solution that will work. Well, I know how I've applied this recently. How? Well, for me, this was all about the the physical therapy. Mm. I, I had far more physical therapy than most people would get for a, a left knee arthroscopy. The the physical mm-hmm. therapist did extend my PT because of my, my full-time job. Ah. And I took that as an opportunity to make sure that when I was done, I was as strong as I could possibly be. Yeah. So I went there for that hour twice a week and I gave it a hundred percent. I was sweating when I left. She kicked my butt mm-hmm. and I was like, yes, ma'am. Can I have another? <laughs> I, I, I was yeah. that I was that guy at the training place and, and it was kind of funny because a lot of their, their clients are a little more on the geriatric side, so they kind of enjoyed having somebody younger in there. Oh. But that was something where I was like, My problem is this, if I don't get this knee rehabbed to where I need it to be, I'm gonna be able to function, but I'm not gonna be able to, to really run like I wanna run. Right. And and also it was gonna impact my work. So mm. um that was kind of where I I used this inadvertently because I hadn't talked to him at the time, but but that's where I used this. 
Can you think of one? I mean, we talked about one at the top of the show. The race that we're headed to this weekend, two years ago, I rolled my ankle, as you put it. Oh, yeah. In a really bad way. Boy, did you. And I had to make a decision because at the moment that I took that fall, the medical personnel who were absolutely outstanding, they're, they're like, well, maybe you should go off to the side to the sidewalk. You could get an Uber or a Lyft back to your hotel and elevate. That's what we'd recommend. And I thought about all of the time and training that I had put in. And I thought, well, if I quit now, how will that feel? How will that feel and what will I think just stepping away? And that's not to say sometimes you have an injury that you can't come back from and the best decision is to take yourself, is out. To take yourself out and then use that grit in a later race when you've recovered from an injury. Yeah, when you're talking about an, an injury where you're, you've caused real structural damage. Yeah. yeah I mean, you, you break something there. I mean, some injuries are, you tear something that is totally something where you may have to take yourself out. Right. But I thought if I don't try, they're not saying I should absolutely hundred percent. It's not like they are loading me into the ambulance. Right. So let me just see what I can do because all of that training And the fact that I really wanted to be in Atlanta running my coach's race and seeing him at the finish line after I had accomplished the goal, that really, for me, was motivation to use the grit, dig deep, and say, this is a problem, so how am I going to solve this problem? I'm going to go slower than I thought I was going to go. But the goal is to meet Jeff at the finish line. And you did. And I did. So I I feel like I used grit and determination to overcome a problem. Yeah. Or a challenge. That was certainly a challenge. Yeah. We've got the pictures of that ankle to prove it too. Mm. So he talked about focusing on what you can control. Mm -hmm. He talked about having grit when there's a problem to solve. He also talked about something called the start line mindset. Well, I asked him in in a marathon when he has challenges or you know 26.2 is a a long way to run whether you're an elite or a back of the packer like us so I asked him what what are the mental strategies you have when you have that distance in front of you and this is what he said so this is what I tell myself at the start line of a marathon or even when I am on training there is no second option and this is really important that a lot of people when they go to a marathon or do they tell themselves you know i'm going to run and see how i feel at mile 15 or mile 20 or mile 22. Mm. if you start your marathon with that mindset they always start second thought that will keep telling you remember Mm. You told yourself, I am going to make an assessment at mile 15, 16, 17, whatever mile. And when you hit that mile, even if there is just a slight discomfort, Mm. your brain will go back to what you told yourself before you started. Like, hey, remember, it's starting to get a little bit uncomfortable. Is it that time for you to make an assessment? So I go 
to the satellite knowing that I will make my assessment after I cross that finish line. Okay, so the inner 14-year-old in me what? says that if you plan to fail, mm-hmm. well, no, that doesn't really work. If you plan to fail, you what? fail to plan. If, <laughs> if, if you're giving yourself that out at the start, you're yeah. setting yourself up to fail. Well, that's a negative message that you've already sent your brain before the race even started. So... That's always lingering in your mind. That's what I took away from what he said. And when he hits the start line, he says, uh, I'll see you at 26.2. And then, you know, at 26.3, that's when we evaluate. Yeah. But we're pushing through the, to the goal. It makes a lot of sense. And again, I think that's part of that champion mindset, that elite mindset. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a takeaway that even back of the Packers, people who are middle of the Packers, oh, yeah. They're just looking to improve their time a little bit. That is a that's a takeaway that you can apply today. Oh yeah, in I, even a short race like a five k. It it doesn't matter the distance. I'll tell you at the beginning of November when we ran wine and dine. I'll tell you in that training cycle leading up to that race, my IT band was just driving me crazy. And I was experiencing a lot of discomfort, what Jeff Galloway would call a weak link, Mm -hmm. you know. And when I got to that start line of that half marathon, I thought, I'll see you at the end. I'll see you at the finish. I'll see you at 13.1 because I've come too far. So what do I need to do in this race? I need to know I'm going to finish. And then I also kind of in that race took Marco's advice, this next piece of advice where he's talking about visualize your race plan. Do you do a a lot of positive mental visualizations throughout training and during the marathon itself? Yes, even, even when I go to bed. So like the night of a marathon, I have, I execute my run mentally, mile one, what will I be doing, mile three, and I know every what mile do I need to hydrate, where do I need to maybe add an additional gel, where do I need to do what. So I have that all planned out before I start. So when I am running, I have a plan that this is what I am doing. Now, it's not surprising to me to hear that an elite athlete is using positive mental visualization. That is something that if you read anything about sports, coaching, Mm -hmm. successful teams, it's translated into the business world, into a lot of motivational books and, Mm -hmm. and all that. Positive mental visualization is something that you see time and time again because we do it in law enforcement. Mm -hmm. We never, we don't train a no-win situation. Right. We always train of how we're going to overcome a situation. So that makes total sense to me. And when he said that he, that was something that was a foundation for him, that didn't surprise me at all. 
Well, it's visualizing what you need to do in each mile to get further and closer and ultimately to the finish line and meet your goal. Well, I, I've already started doing it for, for Atlanta. Oh, yeah. I'm already planning at mile one, heading to mile one, how I'm going to divert from the course and head into Krispy Kreme. Oh, you're saying that on, on the show. Okay. I did this a couple of years ago. Um, I, I ran in and I okay. got a, 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 the, the hot donut sign was on. This is the oldest Krispy Kreme in Atlanta. It's right <laughs> at mile one. I ran inside, got a hot donut, caught up to Amy, brought her a donut. So that was her on course uh, carbohydrates <laughs> early in the race. And it, it was very funny because everybody in there thought it was hilarious that one of the runners was stopping in for a donut. So you're visualizing doing that. I'm visualizing doing that because I want to be able to <laughs> execute quickly so that I'm not having to run so much to catch up to you. So I want to uh-huh. be maximally efficient in my movement in order to execute Fantastic. this. And I also want to get like a whole box of donuts to share with the police officers. Oh, and I hope you do. Who are on the course and other runners. You heard it here, folks. It's going to happen. It's Listeners happen. of the Runny Drink podcast, he has laid down the of, gauntlet. I've kind of committed. Now, yeah. So. Yeah. But visualization is, I'm thinking of, I, I know that course. I know what the challenges are going to be at certain points where we have hills or uh, challenges where you had a lot of mileage or you enter Piedmont Park and you have some hill work. Well, you also know, like even early in the race, you've got the, you know, from mile one, (laughs) you've got the uphill to mile two Mm -hmm. over near the the Martin Luther King Jr. Museum. Yes. It goes downhill at mile three, heading yeah. towards the Carter Presidential Library. Mm-hmm. Four and five gets you over to the Atlanta Beltline. Then it's smooth sailing for two miles. And then you have the then, hills then of the Virginia all Highlands. All uphill. Yeah, the Virginia Highlands, all uphill. So we know this one. So we can, in our brain, visualize. We, we can visualize. How we can visualize. And, you know, it's not like we're spoiling the course because we've had, we've we've gone to that race in the past and featured it on when we were a video podcast, you can still go back and search for that episode if you want to see what the course was going to be like. But you can apply this not only to a race. I applied this at Wine and Dine. Mm-hmm. But you can apply it in life before a job interview. Been there, done that. Yeah. I, I just recently did that. Visualizing success and then going after it and not having a negative moment in my brain that kind of stayed with me before I even started, it's visualizing success, sending positive messages to you yourself mentally that it could work not only in business, but in, in life when things get hard. Absolutely. So I just visualization of a race plan. Yeah. I think it applies in life and not just on the race course. Well, he had another nugget that I think is a great takeaway. And he Mm. talks about your performance and basing your performance on others. Mm -hmm. And I think this is uh, a trap that a lot of runners, especially new runners get into. Or if you are ultra competitive. Yes. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. So let's hear what he had to say about that. I always tell myself, I'm going to do it for the love of the sport. I am just going to run. And this is what I tell people when I was running in Boston Marathon. I, I didn't even know the exact time that the fastest amputee had ran. I had it. It was a 2.42, but I was not too worried about that. I was worried about if I give my best. If I go there and run my best marathon, I think I'll run a good time. 
And I think sometimes that is what, you know, gets most of us runners off our target. We focus so much on someone else's ability and forget about our own ability. You cannot go to a marathon and amend your pace on a satellite mm. based on who is standing next to you because mm. you are not going to finish it because you did not train or prepare for what they prepared for. I think that's some of the most sage advice that he gives. I know that since we've started doing this, we talked to so many runners mm. who are back of the Packers. Yep. And the hardest race for most of them to do was that first couch to 5K. Because in their mind, mm. and I think that we went through this a, lot, a little bit, mm. you know, I'm slow. I can't run as fast as other people. They're all going to be looking at me. They're all going to be thinking, why are we still out here? You're so slow. Get off the course. Mm. Those types of negative things, comparing oh. your performance to others. Yeah. And it's taken a couple of years of doing the podcast, of getting into running groups on social media and mm -hmm. talking to other runners. Yeah. Where you find that there's a huge subculture of people out there that'll sit there and tell you, and and many of them are elite runners themselves. And I'll quote our one of our local elite runners, <laughs> Rachel Lee of mm. the Run Shop here in Cape Coral. She says, "I give you more credit than I give somebody like me because I'm only out there for." you know, two and a half hours, you're out there for three hours, four hours, and you're running the same number of miles I'm running. And so many of, uh, of mm. the, the, so much of the philosophy is all about miles or miles. Miles or miles. Yeah. You know, yes. Rate times time equals distance. <laughs> and, and, you know, if you're faster, you can cover that distance in a shorter amount of time. Yeah. But, um, I think that that is something that's very important is to, to not compare yourself mm. to the person next to you. I mean, unless you're running a competitive race mm. with a person, then you measure time. That's sure. That's the objective. The distance runs like half marathons and all that, where you've got thousands of people going, unless you're in that elite class, there's you a be different running against your own time. There's a different motivation and you're running to improve yourself. You're running to support a charity. You have a, a different, motivation so comparing yourself to others doesn't do you any good no really and it makes me think of a quote and i don't know who said it the comparison is the thief of joy Ooh, yeah um i want to say it, it might have been a roosevelt but i think that that is so true and especially when it comes to running and we were victims of this when we started running and so many new runners are still and you don't have to fall victim to that. It's not about what you do measured against someone else. It's that you do. It's that you do, yes. Period. Yeah, because you're lapping everybody on the couch, just like the memes say out there on social media. Mm -hmm. you, you are. You are improving yourself. You are doing it for whatever reasons motivate you. It could be weight loss. It could be endurance. It could be accomplishment. It could be s supporting an organization. Whatever it is, comparison will be the thief of your joy unless 
you stop comparing yourself to others. Yeah, and if you're wanting to compare your time to your last time, yeah. by all means. Sure. We're not, we're not saying, because we're back of the pack runners, we're not saying, oh, don't try to get faster. That is never right. what we're saying, because we're always trying to get faster. But I'm not comparing myself to the person next to me. I'm comparing myself to the last race that I ran. The last, mm-hmm. If I'm running a 5K, it's the last 5K I did, maybe mm-hmm. in training or the last 5K race I did. Yeah. The only time that I think it's okay to kind of compare yourself, and I'm not even going to call it compare yourself, just measure yourself against somebody, is when you're running a race and you have found that person up ahead of you that you're locked on to, <laughs> and you're trying to catch up to them or stay up with them. Hmm. And you're using well, them kind of as a pacer. You're that's, not you're not really comparing yourself. You're using them as a pacer to help you. That's it. And that, and that's the only that's the closest thing I would I would say to comparison that I think is is good and healthy. Yeah. And that's a mental strategy that Jeff talks about that person ahead of you like rubber banding them or lassoing them and kind of pulling yourself closer to them. Mm-hmm. That is a, a great mental strategy. And so all that other negative stuff comparing yourself to others Put that. Let it go. Yeah, let it go. Let it go. Okay. One more. The last one that he one talked more. about is yeah. also a perfect one for new runners. <laughs> oh, oh, perfect in quotations. In quotations. So here you go. <laughs> perfect timing is a fictional narrative. You just have to commit and do it. Yes, and just start it now. Yeah. You tell yourself I have to, to lose 20 pounds or I have to do this to do it. If... You want to lose 20 pounds to run a marathon? Start with your first marathon. By the time you finish that first marathon, you will have lost 20 pounds. <laughs> right? Yeah. A lot of pounds in your first marathon. So many people fall into that trap. Oh, yeah. When am I going to find time to do it? When is the perfect time to start? Oh, I'm going to do it after the holidays. I'm going to do it. Oh, yeah. I'm going to do it. Uh, at the new year. At the new year for Speaking New Year's of, resolution. Yes. Um, all that. He's so right. Yeah. I, there is no perfect timing because perfectionism breeds procrastination. Is that a, is that an ism from another Roosevelt or is that an Amyism? I don't know. I just said it. Okay. It could be somebody else's and you know, I would give credit to whoever said it, but that's what I think. I'm going to call it an Amyism for now. Because the more you think you have to be perfect, the more you put it off. Absolutely. And, and on top of that, it, it, there's always an excuse to, to do it tomorrow. And this is coming from a professional procrastinator from college here. And you may go for it and you may fail. But you are the one who is in the arena trying and fighting. And that is so much better than being on the couch or saying, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow. We don't have that many tomorrows in life. So you got to do it, and you improve in the process. I can't tell you, you know, after, after I got my knee scoped, you know, I was, I, am I ever going to be able to complete a, a race again? And you just have to go after it and you have to try. And I, I tried and the first time I finished five miles and then I just kept building up and building up and building up until I could cross that first 
finish line, I think, at the Avengers Half Marathon when they mm-hmm. were still doing them in California. And there's a picture. I, I, that's when Marathon Photo was doing the photos. <laughs> and I took a screenshot of it on the website. I didn't pay for it, and I should have paid for it, honestly, the photograph, because you can tell in the emotion on my face. I focused on what I could control. I had the grit to fight through the challenges when I thought I couldn't do it. I had the start line mindset that I was going to finish. I visualized a race plan for that race out there in California. I wasn't comparing myself to others. I was solely focused on what I was going to do and what my training had bred for that training season. And I mean, you know, I just had to do it. I just had to start, and I couldn't put off reaching that goal. And you did. Yeah. So it's great advice, and I know we had that interview with him last week, but you you were away, and we couldn't really break down those fabulous little nuggets of wisdom that apply in running and in life. So I just I think it's worth a, a second week kind of – encapsulating and summarizing some key takeaways that if you're a beginning runner, if you're an elite runner, it doesn't matter. Yeah. This they, is, this is just us yeah. taking away some of the, 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 the key takeaways from that discussion. Yeah. The full interview is episode 89. Yep. Go over, download it, check that one out. Yeah. Marathon Marco, M A R K O is the man and that is where you find him on all of the social media facebook twitter instagram he is at marathon marco and when you see this guy Mm. and his message and his just absolute unstoppable positivity i mean you you can't help but be inspired by him marathonmarco.com and yes website yeah that's his website marathonmarco.com if you want to go and see what his training or upcoming races are going to be or if you're interested in having him come out and talk to a running group or a youth group or any anyone i think could benefit yeah and he's got his message and he's got um openings for 2020 2020 calendar year so head on over there and check that out and get him booked for your yeah this is not a paid advertisement we just think that his message would be so helpful yeah Uh, whether it's a business a running club you name it yeah he'd be great Mm. well i gotta tell you now um maybe it's pavlovian response but even talking about running gets me hungry now well and we're kind of talking throughout this recap about our upcoming race in Atlanta. And we have mentioned that Atlanta is a fantastic city for food and beverage mm-hmm. and entertainment. Yes. And we're looking ahead because in just a couple yeah. of days, we're going to be flying up there. Yeah. And, and this was a training week. So we were eating at home and we were eating the healthy vegetable. Well, I was mm-hmm. oh, eating too. the eating the healthy salads and vegetables and cold soaked oats and everything on the plan. Oh yeah. Cause so. it was all about uh, basically like a lot of crude uh, rough chopped vegetables mm-hmm. that we've been pan roasting Oh yeah, and um, yeah. going, uh, we've talked about it before. We do plant-based six days a week. Mm-hmm. And then on day seven is usually when we're filming the episodes or, sh- or recording the episodes mm-hmm. so that we can eat all this stuff without packing on a bunch of weight. Yeah. So, 
We've got some stuff that we are looking forward Very to heading forward. to Atlanta. Very and forward. Do we want to start with? Um, I want to start with one of your. What do you want to start with? Well, um, one of your old haunts. We can go with one of my old haunts. Um, one place that I used to go, and I, I went to Emory University in Atlanta from 1992 to 1996, mm. and. And, mm-hmm. then, and lived up there after that. But um, there was a, a place in Midtown Atlanta that was a, a relative newcomer, but basically just a cool dive bar to go hang out. And it's Pub Grub. And lo and behold, it's still there. And I think that it might have changed hands or they've, they've, um, imp- they've improved things a little bit. But it's still pub grub, and it's just kicked up a notch. And this is a place called the Highlander. And yes, it's you know uh, like the, the kind of like the there movie. Can there can be only one. Exactly. Um, <laughs> not any affiliation with the movie, but um, it it does have kind of that um, a little bit of a Scottish theme, okay. as it were, at least uh, a little bit. You haven't taken me here yet. No, we've talked about it before, but we've just never managed to get there because something comes up. We decide to go someplace else. Oh. I am I am hell-bent on going there this year. Are you? Yes. Because, listen, I you showed me the menu online, and let me just say, pitcher of tater tots? Yeah. A pitcher? Come on. Uh, yeah. Like I said, it's a dive bar, and, and there's there's stuff that and when you look at the photos on Yelp <laughs> I, they that looks like some of their their menu items have really um, gone up a notch I mean this used to be a place that was just burgers fries and beer and liquor but picture of tater tots uh-huh. you can add cheese chili bacon jalapenos or onions to that uh, that's what jumped out at you what jumped oh, yeah. out at me on the appetizer list is their fried garlic habanero pickles and they serve that with a buffalo ranch sauce. Seems like spice and sweet and tang. Yeah. Hopefully. So that appetizer, I think I'm I'm eyeballing. Yeah. I mean, I just thought it was interesting that they listed that tater tot thing as a pitcher. Oh, and I'm, I can't wait to see the presentation of it. But, I mean, they also have some burgers that seem interesting. What's jumping out at you? The Paris, Texas melt. Ooh. Uh, which is Gouda, caramelized onions, Dijon mustard, and it's served on Texas toast. I love Texas toast. You're a sucker for Texas I toast. I love it. So, I would eat it by itself. Now, see, you you went for that one. Yeah. I, I'm eyeballing a burger that they have there called the Southern Slam, which is pimento, bacon, cheese, and coleslaw on top of the burger. I think that's the first time we've ever seen pimento bacon cheese. Yeah, that's kind of a, a different... Um, twist on pimento cheese, which is the caviar of the South. Yes. They also have uh, other sandwiches, including tacos, yeah. a Reuben, a Cuban, a, a bratwurst patty melt, and uh, their entrees. They've got uh, fish and chips, Nashville hot chicken, orange ginger bourbon salmon. I mean, come on. And it's topped, it's served with uh, white rice and collard greens. Oh, well. So they've definitely got some some Southern influences there. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they're doing breakfast anytime with green chili, cornbread, waffle, and chicken chunks. So you're talking what? chicken and waffles kind what? of with, a, with a, a different spin on that. Are you kidding me? With butter syrup and sriracha honey. 
Uh, Come yes, on. please. So, and then what's great is their breakfast anytime is 50% off after midnight if you buy a drink. Ooh. And all of their breakfast items are 10 bucks a piece. So you're, I mean, okay. this, this is going to be a really cool spot that we can go anytime of the day or night. So Breakfast anytime. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the Highlander. Mm-hmm. Now you were looking at something else that was recommended to us by a friend of mine from college. Well, there were a couple. Yes. And I, th- it's Bantam Pub, mm-hmm. Bantam Pub. Mm-hmm. So it's another pub, but it was recommended by your friend. And I just think... Christina Robertson. Yes. Atlanta, uh, who's now now an Atlanta native. In looking at the menu, I feel that I have to jump past the starters and I have to go straight to the sandwich list because they have starters, they have wings, they have... Chili. Chili, yes. But listen, the lamb burger... Oh, you stole my thunder. What? That was one I was eyeballing really because, hard. Well, I thought of you. I thought of you because tom- tomato, mango, marmalade, and feta top this lamb burger. That sounds ridiculous. Right? That is. that is. It seems delightful. But also, I mean, I was looking at the entrees and they have a steak. They have a hanger steak with gorgonzola grits on the side. Yeah. Hello? Yeah. Grits. I mean, I am a Southern girl. Yeah, that that I think is going oh. to be ridiculous. And you and I feel like it's interesting that you could add on to any item a side of pork belly. Yes. Well, okay. You mentioned the pork belly. What jumped yeah. out at me? Being born and raised in Tampa, yes. home of the Cuban sandwich. Oh. They have a variant of a Cuban sandwich on the menu that is ham, roasted pork, which is correct preparation but Mm. then they add pork belly well everything is better with pork belly pickles swiss and mustard aioli so everything is very curious better with pork belly yeah i haven't i have yet to maybe encounter anything made worse by pork belly maybe i don't know but we've even had a drink with pork belly and it was better oh so good so (laughs) so yeah i i think that so far everything's better with pork belly i think we're gonna love it So Bantam is one Mm -hmm. that was recommended to us. I think that is definitely calling our names. But then we also. Yes. Also, I mean, you said you said that you were going to skip starters. Oh, sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. They they do have uh, something on on the menu that is absolutely one of my favorites. Their hummus plate Mm. includes grape leaves. I love stuffed grape leaves. Grape leaves. You are the first to introduce me to those on, I, the, on the way down to the Keys, I think. I will destroy a plate of grape leaves. Yeah. So um, can't yeah. skip that. Looking very forward to trying Bantam. And they do have cocktails. And they have... Well, they are, they are a neighborhood pub. So they yeah. are, that while they do have uh, what appears to be a full, full bar, they are offering very strong food options as well. Mm-hmm. So they have they have drinks, and there's a brewery that we pass on the half marathon course. That are also we, are we skipping straight to the drink portion? Well, it also has. It's kind of going to bridge to the drink portion oh, of okay. our show okay. because they do have food, and some of the reviews online say. Oh, their food is so killer. Okay. So I feel like we have to bridge to that. All right. 
Because so, yes, you mentioned that we passed this actually on the Atlanta Beltline, yes. which is a giant linear park that mm-hmm. has art installations along it. This runs through an old industrial area that's been revitalized over the last decade or more. Mm-hmm. And one of the businesses that's gone in there is a place called New Realm Brewing. New Realm Brewing, yes. And they have food. So before we talk about what we're looking forward to in terms of beer and beverages, they have spicy Korean pork cheek buns. Speaking of pork belly and all of that, but I thought we should get our hands on some of those. She's she's leaving out the part where it's uh, also on the on those buns as collard greens and kimchi, kimchi mayo. mayo. Yeah. Oh, so, man. I mean, you know, I'm just saying that I feel like we should have that. Well, we do have to eat like every day that we're there. So I something mean, tells me we will make the sacrifice for you, our listeners, to tell you whether or not this is a place that you should visit when you go to Atlanta. Right. I mean, the, like they have campfire s'mores in their desserts. They do a beer can smoked chicken. And they do a Wagyu burger that has a Dunkel bacon sauce, which I believe is a beer bacon sauce. Yeah, that's... Ba- that's but a, a Dunkel is a beer. A Dunkel is a beer. German that's beer. That's probably like a... I'm guessing is probably like a, a bacon jam with beer in uh, it. Oh, my God. <laughs> we should just do it. So we're definitely going to be checking this place out. But what yeah. were the beers on their menu that was jumping out at you? And this place, they have two breweries. One is in Georgia. The other is in Virginia. So we're looking at the Georgia list. We're looking at the Georgia list, yes. And I don't know. I haven't checked out the one in Virginia to see if they have anything in common. But I would say I'm looking forward to, you know, I love stouts. I like and to say that I credit I credit myself with turning you on to stout. Do you know? I do. Well, I I love them. And they have one that is called the Otorius S T O U T in all capital letters with periods. So like the notorious B I G. Yeah. So and I, you know, it's not like I'm a huge fan of that genre of music. I just like when a brewery is creative with the naming of their beers. Sure. And they make good pop uh, pop culture references. Mm -hmm. So this is 5.2 ABV, 24 IBU, so not maybe on the bitter side, which is good. And it says dark, smooth stout, used flaked. Flaked oats for the body, pours opaque black with a long-lasting creamy tan head. So oatmeal stouts for me are almost like a meal in a glass. I think that's going to be so satisfying if we maybe do that after. And we get the s'mores with it. Sure. Yeah. But maybe do that one after the half. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, do that for lunch. Yeah, sure. So I'm all about it. That might be a really good option because, uh, and and it's going to be colder weather up there. So again, (laughs) nice and hearty beer that you just, just like a hug in a glass. Light caramel, baker's chocolate aromatics in the nose, smooth, roasty, and floral coffee hints. So then we're going to have to tell you all whether or not their menu descriptions are accurate. I know. So anyway, that's it. That's that's how it's described on the menu. I'm super excited to try it. Heck yeah. What about you? Well, um, I I might go a little lighter 
for one that I'm looking at, and that's because they have something called Y'all Peachy. Oh, that's so cute. And it is considering it's Atlanta. It is a wheat <laughs> beer that they have that is infused with peaches and peach tea and dry hopped with lemon drop, Huel melon, and Simcoe hops for a fruity finish. So mm. I'm really curious about that because you don't see a lot of uh, American wheats that are that are dry hopped uh, and. That yeah. with the peach, I think, is going to be really good. I mean, it says that it's a collaboration with a Cincinnati brewing company. Yeah. So or that's, brewery. I'm, I'm real curious about that one. Yeah. They also have a, a Schwartz beer on tap. Oh. Uh, and that's... Do you like that because of Spaceballs? <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, this is like a black lager, basically. and uh, the, We like those. Yeah. But they're, the way they describe it is... Uh, this is 6.4 ABV. Their Schwartz beer was brewed because our brewery was flush with a healthy crop of lager yeast. Mm. Wanted to try our hand at this often underappreciated style, which is true. Yeah. And they use Pils- Pilsner. Pilsner and Munich malt. Nice. And dehusked black malt and sterling hops. Wow. So that's probably going to be nice and crisp. Yeah. Um, and, and probably a little lighter in body than a porter or, or certainly that oatmeal stout. We will have to see. So those are the two that are really jumping out at me from their list. But yeah. there may be a sampling. I mean, there may like, be a flight. There may be a flight. I mean, Hazy Like a Fox is a really great name. But their beer list, <laughs> if you look them up, and we'll have links in the show notes, they are very heavy on IPAs. It seems so. That Hazy Like a Fox is a New England IPA. That'd be worth checking out. Yeah. So that's one. New Realm. That we're looking at. Yeah. There's another that we've been eyeballing. Mm-hmm. And this place is called... Scofflaw. And get that pronunciation right. They have a whole video on their website about it. It's not safe for work, but it's worth checking out. Right. So... So Scofflaw Brewing Company. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I feel as if... You you have a couple that you want to try. Oh, I do. Um, right? I I actually very much enjoy Mexican lagers. They tend to be light in body, very easy drinking, and they don't tend to be super overpowering with the ABV. And they have their Mexican lager that is four point two percent ABV. So mm. if you are a fan of like say Negro Modelo, that's a great example. That's a good one. Yeah, um, of that style. Yeah. So um, that is one that I, I very much enjoy. They also have a Georgia Peach Hard Seltzer. Yeah, I was interested in that. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure that I'm really big into this whole hard seltzer trend, but it's Georgia Peach. We're in we Atlanta. You kind of have to try it. The things that really jumped out at me were their Interrogation Milk Stout, mm-hmm. which is a coffee milk stout that clocks in at 6.5% ABV. And they also have their Scofflaw Stout, their their namesake. And that's 5.2 ABV with hints of mm. cocoa and caramel. Love that. So what was jumping out at you? Well, I mean, I know we're in Florida. We're going to Georgia. But they have something called Dirty Beaches. And it says... <laughs> the name. See? I, lo- I sucker for our names. Dirty Beaches Tropical Wheat, Tropical Fruit Forward Wheat Ale, brewed with Citra and Calypso Hops. So it's 6.3 ABV. Citra hops probably going to make that nice and juicy and citrusy. I think that'll, you'll probably like that one a lot. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that's that one kind of jumped out at me. And then there is another one called Sneaky Wheat, which is brewed with two different orange peels and coriander. So and okay, so that's it's a variant on say yeah. a Blue Moon. But it's a higher ABV. It's 8.5. I don't think Blue Moon is that high. No. Blue Moon's not that high. Right? Okay. So I see why they call it Sneaky Wheat now. But it sneaks up on you. It's great. That's going to yeah. be worth checking out. We're going to definitely Uber and Lyft. Uh, well, we don't have a car. So. Uh, we've we've actually decided for the last four of the last five years, we have driven up there overnight. And oh, we have finally treated ourselves to airfare mm-hmm. <laughs> for this year. Yes. So Delta. We, we are going to be flying. And uh, that's going to basically give us an extra day up there to bring some of these n- brand new places to you guys. Yes. We are going to have a couple of old favorites. We are going to be doing the post-race uh, beer tasting at Orpheus Brewing. After Barb's 5K on Saturday. After Barb's 5K. Love them. Orpheus is fantastic. Love, 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 love. And they've been a supporter of the Jeff Galloway Double G for the last two years? I think so, maybe. So It's uh, three. It's going to be our third year doing it. Yeah. And cannot say enough good about them. I love it. Their beers and mm. the time that you have with your fellow runners after the race. It's great. So it was so great. We're going to be bringing you that. Year. We'll probably do that as like Facebook Live or Instagram Live. That or would both. be great. Yeah. So yeah. We'll, we'll get a chance to, to talk beers with you guys live. Yay, on Saturday. But we need your help. We're, we do. We're getting ready for our holiday episode as we get closer to Christmas. And mm-hmm. we want you guys to be on the show. In fact, I believe it will air on or be released on Christmas Eve. Well, that's, so, a, bold, that's a bold strategy. I, well, I mean, it's just the day of week that we release <laughs> the, the episodes. So it is. We would love to get into the holiday spirit, whatever holiday you celebrate at this time of year, especially at the year end, you're probably nostalgic like we are and thinking of experiences you've had over the last year that have been wonderful or maybe not so wonderful that you're glad to see go, but we're focusing on the wonderful ones (laughs) and people in your life that you might like to say a special holiday message or wish to. It might be somebody who's supported you in your running goals or something you've struggled with this year and given you support and encouragement. And we just want to make those people runny drink podcast famous. And we want to give you the platform to be able to share those stories and those wishes. So, if you would, submit a one-minute audio recording to our email or our phone number. You know what's in it for you? Some red swag. Red being run, eat, drink, podcast. Not necessarily swag. the color red. Not necessarily the color red. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Send us that one-minute message with your name, where you're from, and give us your message. Email it to info at runeatdrink.net or 941-677-2733. And if we use your message in the episode, we are going to send you a little holiday thank you. Yeah. A little Run Eat Drink swag bag. Yeah. 
So our way of saying thank you for being part of the Runcation Nation yes. and sharing your ho- holiday well wishes on the show. Yes. So info at runeatdrink.net or 941-677-2733. We'll be recording on December 23rd, so we've got plenty of time mm-hmm. for you to get your submissions to us. So yeah. you're going to see us talking about this over the next week mm-hmm. or two in social media. Yes. Facebook Live, mm-hmm. all of that, because we really want you guys to share your holiday messages with us. Yeah. And that is going to do it for now. Of course, like we said, we'll be talking to you from Atlanta, from the Orpheus Brewing event, maybe a Facebook Live or an Instagram Live that morning after the race. The, and Jeff, yeah, the Jeff Galloway Half Marathon <laughs> Weekend, or I should say the Northside Hospital mm-hmm. Half Marathon. Orthopedic. Powered by Jeff Galloway. And there's the dog. The dog's very excited about it. He had to shake it out when we were announcing that. But we are so excited to bring you this race weekend, and we will talk to you from this race weekend in a matter of days. But for now, I'm your host, Amy. Thanks. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Sorry. And I'm your co-host walking all over you. (laughs) And I'm your co-host, Dana. Thanks for listening on your long runs and your commutes or wherever you listen. And we will talk to you very soon. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Run, Eat, Drink podcast. We're having a great third year because of your support. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Run, Eat, Drink podcast. And on Twitter, we're at Run, Eat, Drink Pod. You can also give us a call at 941-677-2733 or shoot us an email at info at runeatdrink.net. Visit our website at runeatdrink.net and click on the subscribe link so you don't miss a minute. Accomplish, explore, and indulge right along with us. We'll talk to you next time.